0: Look forward to retirement and avoid the pitfalls. Keep listening for ways to maximize your retirement income. More Than Money with the Popowich Carmelli Advisory Group, CIBC Woodgundy, on News Talk 770. Lifestyle matters. It's more than money. I'm Faisal Carmelli, and filling in for Dave Popowich is Andrew Masson. How are you? I'm great, Faisal. Second week in a row. Second week in a row. The wave is back. We're on a partial lockdown. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I always look for opportunity in time of volatility. You know how, yep. how what I do in my in my role, um, in the opportunity of this lockdown. Do you know what it is? No, that's two weeks of no spending time with Dave Popovich. <laughs> that's good opportunity. That's a really good thing. I get to spend time with yeah. you and not Dave. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a good thing. Uh, sounds good. Let, to him, let him stay in his home. Let him yep. stay isolated away from me. That's a, that's, that's a win win. Perfect. <laughs> We've got a great show today. We do. We've got um, an enormous amount of fraud happening in this province. Investment fraud and other types of scams. I think it's important for us to kind of educate everybody about
1: that. Absolutely. It is rampant in today's society, especially with COVID. And, you know, there's a there's a lack of need. People want to make money quickly. They need to move quickly. And yep. um,
0: and unfortunately, bad things do happen. And we had this uh, small thing that happened a couple of weeks ago called the U.S. election. Small. Small. Yeah. yeah. No drama. <laughs> <laughs> no issues. It was clean. It was like it wasn't even like it wasn't even on the seventh page of the newspaper uh, if know. people still read newspapers you know, that is. What kind of drama are we talking <laughs> about? <Yeah>. Like so <laughs> so so in our in our situation here we've got seen so many issues, so many problems, so many potential outcomes from this. So we want to bring in some experts talk about what happened in the election, what's happening right now, and um what does it mean for Canadians. So it's gonna be a very interesting uh, show today. Andrew, we've had a very interesting week when it comes to the markets. Earlier in the week, the markets did a 180. Yeah. Pfizer came out with this uh, with this um, research report saying that 90% of their uh, patients under this, co- this uh, COVID vaccine are doing well after 30 days. And the markets took off. They sure did. And it wasn't the conventional part of the markets that have been doing well from the beginning of the year or from the beginning of the pandemic it was everything else like give me give me a couple of examples of sectors that you saw that were like wow it jumped up like well, double you know digit in well, the day. a day
1: double digit like crazy numbers would be um the cruise ships cruise
0: ships all of a sudden everybody's cruising that's right we got a we've got an idea of a of a of a vaccine an idea an idea it's not even ready yet Ready to go, cruise ships up double digits, airlines up double digits, hotels Hotels up double digits. In fact, Zoom was down double digits because yeah. no one's going to go online now. We're all going back to normal. Disney up crazy. Yeah,
1: it was all over the map.
0: And what it really signaled was us is that there's a reality
1: that there is potentially a vaccine in sight. But like you mentioned before, it's only shown us information for the last 30 days.
0: It's been interesting on how, how we're seeing money is invested in hope right now. Mm -hmm. I hope things turn around. Everybody has been locked down. This pandemic has taken a toll on almost every single individual out there. And the minute that there's some sort of hope that things are getting better, boom, the market takes off in areas that I guess they're bottom feeding. They're going after the ones that got hit the hardest energy shares. Apparently, if you have a vaccine, more people are going to use oil.
1: Well, there's 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 a little bit right. of understanding of that if you think about the economics yeah, to it, for sure. But, but the reality is, is we went from one side of the spectrum, which was all COVID names, yep, or what I call COVID names, correct. Which are names that um will benefit from people being in lockdown or yeah. being unable to go to work. Food delivery services, um, home shopping, technology companies like Microsoft because people still need to use computers. Absolutely, all those things, right? Absolutely, but. Now everybody sort of said, well, those names aren't important anymore because all these other ones are going to be fine now that there's a vaccine on the way.
0: What this whole thing about the pandemic and this vaccine idea through Pfizer outlined that there, are, there is still optimism in the markets, whichever way you look at it. There's optimism. There's ways to make money. What we failed to understand on the day that F- Pfizer announced was that, the, yes, there's a positive outcome of that trial. But no one talked about how many dosages do you need. And on average, it's two dosages per yeah. person. How are you going to get this around the world? Who gets priority? And and it was interesting. We got, I think we had 20 million dosages that were purchased by the federal government in this country with an option to go up to 53. Mm-hmm. 53 million, that means only 26 million people will have access to this. Well, and the question also becomes
1: just on those notions of which people get access first. Well, when does it come? Who get access first? And and how long does that dosage work for? Because we don't know that.
0: It took three days for the markets to figure out that, yeah, Mm -hmm. we've got an idea with no logistics behind it. And Mm -hmm. it's just an idea. It's not like they're ready to go. So what was interesting about this whole week when it came to the markets was we are moving forward. Things are developing, but we've got a lot to figure out. Just because you put an order. Have you ever bought something online and never arrived? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we just ordered a whole bunch of dosages of, of, a, of a vaccine that we may not get. There's no guarantee Canadians, Americans, Europeans are going to get the first crack at it. Mm-hmm. No guarantee. There's nothing written out there that says we're guaranteed by these. Co- what if it doesn't work? What, it, what happens after 60, 90 days with this, this Pfizer vaccine? We have no clue. And so with all those unknown people started to realize that around Thursday, Friday. Yep. And that's when I go, well, looks like they're selling some of these, these good companies. And we think for the next six, seven, eight months... There's going to be a lot of this type of volatility and information. First of all, we've got this small thing that we talked about earlier called an election (laughs) that we're trying to figure out. And then we've got this thing called pandemic and this vaccine that we're trying to figure out. And so there's going to be a lot of volatility. And so there's going to be a lot of issues when it comes to how do you invest in a way where you can still handle it over the longer term? And how do you pick your investments? This is going to be the crucial differentiation between good portfolios, and high volatile portfolios.
1: Well, and I think the question always comes the same thing, is what's the strategy? Yeah. yeah. Strategy is always the key question. What's the strategy? How are we going to employ it? And what's going to happen to it? So the end of a strategy is always, what's the playbook during the strategy? Yeah. And so if there
0: is no playbook, ladies and gentlemen, I think we better start looking. The average investor, including the average advisor, mm-hmm. right now is investing what we call a collection of good ideas at the time. It's Mm -hmm. a good idea to invest in ABC stock. It's a good idea. These are ideas. There's no strategy. How does one company relate to the other? Could you imagine if you own a company, let's say a big, large uh, uh, retailer, Mm -hmm. and you own the shipping company that has the largest contract with them at the same time. In fact, something goes wrong with that one company. Both those investments are impacted. So how they correlate is the issue. So this is where it becomes more important of proper portfolio structure proper portfolio discipline and that's the, that's the the lesson i think our investors are going to learn the hard way unfortunately through this pandemic over the next i think 6 months mm-hmm. and so we'll have to wait and see but it's it was a very interesting week we've got some hope out there we've got some we've got some ideas of a potential vaccine that's getting people are still looking for that and when it gets euphoric about this vaccine oh i go shopping when things go down mhm I love taking profits when things take off for no real reason. Absolutely. So we're going to go profit taking when everybody goes crazy over this vaccine. And we're going to go shopping when this thing falls again and, uh, and they're selling for the wrong reasons. And that's, that's how we do so well for our clients.
1: Well, and I think, Faisal, you know, when we think about shopping, shopping is always about you know taking advantage of situations. And there's always money to be made, as you've always said, in up markets and down markets. Absolutely. It's always important. But what's the strategy? What are you trying to do? And what are you trying to accomplish? And
0: if we can't figure out what those things are, then is it a question of whether you want to invest? And that's what we're going to talk about at our seminar, about the five pillars and the strategy and discipline behind it. But you'll have to join us on Tuesday, November 17th, 7 p.m., live online. You need to register for this event. So go to morethanmoneyradio.com. That's morethanmoneyradio.com to register. Okay, stay tuned after the break. We're going to talk about the results or lack thereof of the election and how is it going to impact us as Canadians. You're listening to 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back to uh, 770 CHQR and more than money. And, um, well, there's a little topic that keeps on coming up in the news. There is. <laughs> <And>
1: the- <laughs> well, I'm trying to be you know, a little coy about it, but really I think it comes down to um, what's going on in the United States is one of the main concerns.
0: What an entertaining reality series we call the election happening there.
1: Well, wouldn't you say it's 11 days now, Faisal, since the election took place?
0: Yeah, it's amazing.
1: It is. And yet we think we have a president-elect.
0: We think. We hope. We hope. We have no idea. But yeah, who knows? Exactly. Who knows? And so let's make sense of this. So we have Laurie Williams, associate professor. She teaches policy studies and politics at the Mount Royal University. Uh, Laurie, welcome to the show.
2: Oh, I'm great to be here.
0: Okay, let's kind of break it down. What's happening with the American election right now?
2: Uh, well, I mean, the election is is decided. Um, it's just a matter of whether or not the current president and some members of the Republican Party. Uh, are willing to acknowledge it. So, what's I mean, more more world leaders have recognized um, the president-elect than re- Republicans in Washington, which is a bit of a an odd thing. Uh, but the reality is, going forward, what's going to happen is there may be uh, recounts in in uh, Georgia for sure. Um, I think they're still going to do recounts in Pennsylvania. But uh, once that's done and the elections are certified. Um, that's all sort of legally in place and then it's basically inexorably going to be um, January 20th, Joe Biden will be president. And the only question is whether or not or when, I guess, um, the, uh, the current president will recognize that and provide the, um, the president's daily briefings and so forth to the, the president-elect.
1: You know, and, and Laurie, a big question that's coming out in the media right now and everything is, what happens if, uh, if uh, President Donald Trump refuses to succeed or or well i mean
2: it's not his choice Mm -hmm. the powers he has are constitutional powers that belong to him as as a result of being elected by the majority of electors in the electoral college in 2016 and those expire on on january 20th at noon um now i suppose he could try to say he won't leave the white house but doesn't matter the powers aren't his anymore the the authority that belongs to the president will go to Joe Biden. He will be sworn in. And whether that happens um, in one place or another is entirely irrelevant. It's going to go forward and, and it's impossible for uh, for Donald Trump to do anything about that.
0: Laurie, as Canadians, we sometimes don't understand the difference in political systems between uh the presidents and the and what happens in the united states between and and also how what happens here in canada as a prime minister and the amount of power that each of these two individuals the prime minister versus the president has Mm -hmm. what's the big differences between the two systems and which one do you prefer
2: well this i've been talking as you can imagine a great deal about this to a lot of a lot of my students who have questions about it as well um the the presidential powers in the united states um derived actually largely from the stuff that is not written uh, uh, and the fact that the United States is such a powerful country. So there are all kinds of checks and balances that exist in the United States. So the the, the president cannot introduce legislation directly into the legislative branch. Um, he has to be invited into uh, Congress in order to deliver the State of the Union Address. Um, and um, basically legislation is up to Congress. They, in the Senate and the House of Representatives, if they pass legislation in the same form in both houses, it goes to the President, and the President then decides to sign the legislation, not to sign the legislation, and it becomes law anyway in 10 days, or he can veto the legislation. But if the House and the Senate... Um, pass that a law by a two-thirds majority then that is either veto proof or can override a presidential veto um, all of the appointments that the president makes senior uh, bureaucratic appointments and uh, judges as we've seen uh, those have to be approved by the senate so there are at least in a in a, um, a functioning presidential system the uh, the legislative branch exercises significant checks on the Um, The executive. And then, uh, of course, the courts can review matters as well. So that is another uh, factor that that um, impacts it. The only way to remove a president between elections is by impeachment, as we've seen. And of course, impeachment involves the actual impeachment that happens in the House of Representatives and then a trial. That happens in the Senate, and if two thirds of the senators vote um, to convict the president, then they remove him from office. Whereas in Canada, I mean, most people know the Prime Minister, if uh, the Prime Minister has control uh, or the majority in the House of Commons, he or she basically runs the, the legislative as, as well as the executive branch. Uh, but the, the House um, can remove a, a Prime Minister basically by a vote of confidence and force an election. The party can the members of the party in in um, in Ottawa can basically force a prime minister to resign if he loses their support? So the the levers for limiting the power of a prime minister um, are, um, I guess, more informal, but and can be effective. But of course, a very strong leader, whether a president or or a prime minister, in many respects controls the party because of all of the the sort of the direct contact with. Um, levers of power, with the media, the ability to influence policy, and so forth, a great deal is in the hands of the president and the prime minister.
0: Which system do you prefer, Laurie?
2: Well, I suppose I've I've seen the prime ministerial system for a long time. I've seen um, maybe not as often in Canada as in as in the UK, where uh, the number of, of members of the party is higher and it's just harder to control. But I have seen um, prime ministers who have lost support uh, being forced out of office without needing to have an election. They just change uh, have leadership convention and they, they bring in a new leader. So the fact that I mean, we even saw this with with Alison Redford in Alberta, the mm-hmm. party ceased to support her. And she was forced um, forced to leave the leadership, so the fact that there are um, it looks like it 's a little easier to deal with deep dis- dissatisfaction with a leader that that seems to me especially given the possibility of abuse of power and what we 've recently witnessed in the United States um, looks to me like at least theoretically the the ministerial system is or the parliamentary system is is preferable just because there seems to be a little at least the possibility of, of, of informal um, limitations on prime ministerial power.
1: Well, and, and I guess the big question that we have to ask today is, is, you know, we're in Alberta. Joe Biden has been elected or is the president-elect. What do you think the effect of Albertans or, or what will the effect of a Biden presidency happen to Alberta and then Canada as well?
2: It's a little bit difficult to be absolutely certain. The one thing uh, that, as we're seeing with all of the world leaders and their responses, and even people ringing church bells in France, um, (laughs) the world seems to be relieved that, maybe even overjoyed, that there is going to be some kind of stability uh, and willingness to to work with other countries to to stand with allies. And, um, and so that stability in terms of international alliances will be restored. The relationship between Canada and the United States, which let's face it, is largely an institutional one. It ticked along reasonably well day to day, even even though there was all kinds of bluster coming from the president. Um, that That relationship continued quite effectively for most of his presidency. And when he did things like threatening or imposing tariffs, there were very um uh, significant levers that could be exercised by the Canadian government to try to exert pressure um from with from below if you like, so through uh, the governors of states that he needed to win in the next election through um through legislators in in washington uh people in in the government bureaucracy and so forth, uh, it was possible to exert some pressure to try to move the policy in a different direction. And we saw this quite directly um, when the election was underway and Donald Trump was threatening to impose aluminum tariffs uh, uh, and basically back down at the last minute because he realized that it could affect his chances of re-election. So it's really important to understand, as powerful as the president is, there are also very powerful interests that can... can, uh, Put significant pressure to move policies in a different direction, and the Canadian government proved itself extraordinarily skilled at managing that. Just remaining calm, working the the uh, the various uh, influences that they could during um, this presidency, uh, doing that internationally as well, and, and other leaders were doing similar sorts of things. Um, Joe Biden will prioritize the relationship of of Canada with the United States, just as we've seen with. With uh, presidents in the past, but uh, he is similar in Donald Trump to Donald Trump in that he is uh, an America First uh, president. Uh-huh. He is somewhat protectionist, and that could have impacts on some of the trade between Canada and the United States. And of course, he is an environmentalist, and he has said that he does not support the Keystone XL pipeline. That could have an impact. But again, those same levers we talked about, the trade unions, for example, who are in favor of the pipeline the jobs that could be associated with it so it's possible that a compromise could be struck if the alberta government persuaded the uh, president-elect that the environmental energy balance that has been struck in alberta there have been significant innovations in Mm -hmm. the oil industry in terms of being environmentally more responsible if those are uh, sufficient to persuade the president-elect then it's possible that keystone xl um, could continue construction but It's not just up to him. There's a court order that's currently stopped that construction at the moment. So that's quite quite a complex file and I think a little less predictable because of it.
0: Laurie, we can talk about this for hours and hours upon this. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens up until uh, inauguration date uh, in the U.S. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Oh, it's been my great pleasure. Thank you.
0: We've been joined by Laurie Williams, associate professor. She teaches policy studies at the Mount Royal University. Um, Politics is a big issue. It impacts to some degree economics. And we're going to talk about how do you protect your retirement through all this volatile time. We're going to talk about that on Tuesday, November 17th, 7 p.m. live online. You need to register for this webinar. Go to morethanmoneyradio.com to register. That's morethanmoneyradio.com to register. Okay, stay tuned after the break. We're going to find out that there is a lot more fraud happening in this province. How do you protect yourself? Come back after the break. You're joining... Us at More Than Money and 770 CHQR. Welcome back to 770 CHQR and More Than Money. And man, oh man, has there been a lot of fraud happening in this province. Fraud. Fraud. Fraud stirs. Scams. Email? Schemes. Oh, yeah. Everything. Can you think of one that you've been exposed to or someone's talked to you about?
1: Well, um, my favorite one is the Prince of Nigeria. The Prince of
0: Nigeria. Yeah. Where you He's know, still
1: around. Yeah, it keeps coming back. It's a great email yeah. one. Yeah. Um, but you see a lot of fishing out there, fishing with a P. Yeah. Um, so people are actually looking for information, yeah. trying to get um, your personal information and how to do that. I get a great one. Um, the other one that really sort of strikes me there, Faisal, is the one I get on telephone. The CRA is going to imprison C-R-A, me.
0: Yes. Um, I, I love that one. Yeah. yeah. And so, you're still here. It's impressive.
1: Yeah, yeah I haven't been imprisoned yet.
0: It's <laughs> impressive. There's a lot of investment <laughs> scams out there too. For sure. And and during a time like this where there's a pandemic, people are going through desperate times, desperate measures, and they're and they are looking for ways to make a quick buck. And sometimes they mm-hmm. go through this this whole investment scam or fraud. And so we want to kind of educate our audience about what's happening out there. And we're joined with Hilary McMeek and she's the director of communications and investor education at the Alberta Securities Commission. Hillary, welcome to the show.
3: Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. All
0: right, let's talk about these fraudsters and their playbook, Hillary. What What's the playbook for a fraudster? How can we kind of walk walk us through what what normally happens?
3: Oh, great question. And I, you know, going back to what you were saying, I just want to quickly say that, you know, and we've talked about this before. We know a lot of Albertans, or at least one in four that we can tell from our from our research, one in four Albertans feel like they've been approached with a fraudulent investment uh, opportunity in the past. So. We created this tool, exactly as you call it, the "Fraudster's Playbook." That's our affectionate term. It's <laughs> properly titled "Don't Be Fooled by Fraud," and it's a guide to protecting your hard-earned money. And we built it because there are seven common steps that we see uh, in the in the things that we investigate in the you know the cases and the situations that we see. We see the same common seven steps that a fraudster will take, and so we have created this booklet and it's available on checkfirst.ca um, to really help break it down for people and what's really important to us is that it we don't just say hey this is what to watch out for but we also say here's how to protect yourself so just quickly the the seven steps identif- that the the fraudster will identify a potential victim for a scam so they will, using what's happening in the world around them, preying on those of us that are vulnerable, particularly during an economic downturn, they will target you based on, you know, maybe something you've said to them, maybe a, a conversation you've had. And then from there, they, be, they befriend you and really start to try to build your trust and earn your trust and give you sort of the inside information. And and it, it's really, they're constantly trying to, um, you know, become friends with you. And then they, then they start to drop hints or showcase the benefits of their investment opportunity. So they might showcase their fancy cars or their or their house or the vacations that they've gone on all because of this really cool investment opportunity that they that they tease. Then they then they ultimately offer you that investment opportunity and the first thing if you if you go into it, the first thing they'll do is they'll give you a little bit of money to show that it's real. Uh, but then all of a sudden, in step six, they disappear. We call it the ghosting act. They disappear. They're hard to get a hold of. They don't, they don't respond to your calls. Um, they're slow to get back to you. And then all of a sudden, after you've figured out there might be, there might be something wrong, then they ask you for more money because they might help you to try to get the money back. And we call that the recovery act. Hmm. Uh, so they're, in fact, get, trying to get more money out of you to try to help you get your money back. So those are seven common steps that we see, and that's we created the Frogster's playbook to to map those out for people, so that you would know that that's that you know this is what's happening. And then there are all kinds of notes in there on on what are steps you can take to protect yourself.
1: Well, and it sounds it sounds all the things you just described is like a good episode of American Greed on CNBC. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way out of it. Um, but, you know, that being said, uh, Hillary, um, what are some of the big red flags that um, could uh, show that an investment um, here in Alberta and to Albertans, it could be a fraud? Great
3: question. Um, number one, promises of high returns with little or no risk. We, we know, right, when when there's big returns, there's usually big bigger risk, right? So that's just something, as soon as someone says, oh, no risk, um, it, little alarm bells should go off in your head. The second one is that pressure to invest immediately, right? Jump in right now. Got to make the decision right now. We also know that, you know what, a really good investment is one that you should be able to take the time to research, mm-hmm. right? You should be able to check it out. So that pressure, another red flag, Um and, uh, you know, one of the biggest ones that we certainly see is um, the person who's trying to sell you this investment opportunity is not actually registered to sell you that opportunity. Uh, those those people that are in the business that are, and there's a lot of really great legitimate um, investment opportunities and, and people who are trying to sell them, and they are registered to do so in the province of Alberta. So. They are the people that you want to be talking to, and so it's really important to ask that question: Are you registered? Uh, tell me a bit about your background. How did you come to be involved with this investment opportunity? So, and then the last couple: right, it claims to be tax-free. Um, very little in life, unfortunately, is tax-free, um, and and insider tips. Is the final red flag that uh, that i would say you know someone saying i'll get you in i'll give you the you know the scoop that very few people know about uh, again it, really good and really good investment opportunities all of this information is publicly available to you so those are just some of the red flags
0: hillary can someone um, ha- try to gather money for an investment that is not registered with the Alberta Securities Commission? Or does everybody, and I'm talking like private real estate deals, offering memorandums that are out there, all these different types of investments that people are exposed to, are there people, are they allowed to provide a type of investment even though they're not registered with the Alberta Securities Commission?
3: Generally speaking, I think probably, Faisal, there's there's probably some, there's some elements, but generally speaking, by and large, those that are selling investment opportunities mm-hmm. need to be registered to do so because there's there's rules that they have to follow, yeah. right? And there's rules in how they engage with their clients. There's rules in, in the information they provide their clients. And, and that's why the first question should always be, tell me about your registration. Hmm. Tell me about your background and your experience, right? Because you want to know that you're working with someone reputable, someone that is, is working within the laws that exist today.
0: Andrew, you know there was I had a couple of messages sent through me to through social media, and they're like, there's this cryptocurrency, Faisal. You got to yep. get in, and mm. th- all these red flags have come up. Like everything mm-hmm. that Hillary was talking about has been popping up. Cryptocurrency is probably one of the most um, well known um, schemes that are going on right now. Okay. Yeah, they're using that that type of tool um, when it comes to those types of investments, Hillary. How do we know if the investment is legitimate? Maybe the advisor or the individual is registered, but how do mm-hmm. we know that the investment is legitimate here in Alberta?
3: That's a great question. And that, and uh, number one, it's doing a bit of research. It's finding out about the actual company or the opportunity, as you said, that crypto, that crypto exchange or cryptocurrency or what, whatever it is that's that's coming to you take the step. How do you know? I mean, to some degree, we always pay attention to how long has the organization been in business, right? Have they done this before? Have, you know, and we certainly saw this in the early days of COVID and I think it still exists today. All of a sudden companies that were once, um, you know, building, doing some sort of pipeline manufacturing are now manufacturing something to do with COVID PPE or something else. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and really you want to pay attention to the history of the organization and, and their experience and maybe the history and the experience of the leadership, right? And all of that information should be, should be publicly available to you and you should be able to ask for that information so that you can see that there is, there is legitimacy to what they're building. And, yeah, maybe it's a new startup, absolutely, but they should be able to talk about their experience and, and, and or what they've been doing in the marketplace, So it gives you a sense of they're not just, you know, popping out of the blue, selling you something that has been in existence for five minutes,
0: Mm -hmm. really. Hilary, my youngest daughter uh, takes karate lessons. And one common word she uses with me is kyi, k y i, which we in Mm -hmm. our industry says know your investment, know Mm -hmm. what you're investing in, kyi, kyi. So otherwise you get chopped and you get hurt, right? That's the big lesson I learned from my youngest daughter. So something we can teach all of our listeners and everybody in Alberta about this. You know, we could be talking a lot more about this topic and and educating many more. uh, But we're running out of time. So Hillary, I want to thank you so much for joining us today.
3: Thank you so much for having me. And please, honestly, all of your listeners, check out checkfirst.ca. There's so many resources and additional information for anyone on the investing spectrum, whether you're just starting out or you've been in it for a long time. It's a resource there that's available to everybody.
0: Check out checkfirst.ca. We've been joined by Hillary McMeekin, Director, Communications and Investor Education at the Alberta Securities Commission. And we will be talking about how do you actually properly invest? How do you profit and protect in these types of markets? You know, these there's a lot of fraud going on, but there's a lot of volatility in the conventional markets out mm-hmm. there, Andrew. And we're going to talk about how do you profit and protect on Tuesday, November 17th, 7 p.m. live online. You need to register for this. So go to morethanmoneyradio.com. That's morethanmoneyradio.com to register. Okay, after the break, how are taxes destroying your retirement? You'll have to stay tuned for this one on 770 CHQR and more than money. Welcome back to 770 CHQR and more than money. And before the break, I was saying taxes will destroy your retirement. And that is actually true. Absolutely it is. Okay. Here's an opportunity, Andrew. As the guy on our team that leads the financial planning and tax strategies for our clients, I think it's important that we educate one of the biggest problems that we see when it comes to people's retirement and its taxes. So let me paint the picture for you, okay? okay. I'm going to give you the scenario. Over the past few decades, we as Canadians have been told save for your retirement and save for your retirement by investing in RSPs. Put your money in a registered retirement savings plan, And over the long term, it's gonna be the best thing for your retirement, which is true, it is. What we forget to educate Canadians on in our industry is what the heck happens when you're now ready to draw the money out and how this impacts you from a tax perspective. So here's the scenario. You have a million dollars saved. And in that million dollars that you've saved, let's say the couple, this married couple, 65 years of age needs $70,000 in their genes every single year to live the lifestyle they want. Now they've been living in Canada for almost all their lives. Mm -hmm. They've been both working, they've been contributing to the Canadian pension plan, so they are Canadian pension plan eligible, old age security eligible, and I'm gonna make it easier for you, my friend. They're gonna earn about, let's call it $31,000 before tax Mm -hmm. on their Canadian pension plan, old age security. They need 70, in their genes after tax and a good portion of that's coming from CPP and OAS, but there is a differential between the two. There is. So the difference that this couple needs to take out of their savings, their RSPs every single year is $52,000. But here's a problem. It's all in their RSPs. Mm -hmm. And there's some rules that people need to understand when it comes to tax on taking money out of your RSPs. Well, and I think you, you you nailed the
1: the concept on the head. We were taught forever and ever to add money to our RSPs because they're a good thing for retirement. But nobody ever taught us what happens when we start taking money out of our RSPs or what the consequence is and that and how that will affect our retirement moving forward, Faisal. Correct. And where I'm going with this is that, you know, in your particular scenario you've said, okay, these people need seventy thousand dollars. Yep. And they've got thirty one thousand. So immediately most people will just subtract the two and say, I'm missing this. But what we fail to understand is those are after tax dollars. Yes. That means I'm getting those dollars and I'm spending
0: them. Okay. Faisal education moment here. When you take money out of your RSPs, it's taxable income. It's just like a paycheck. That's correct. You have to report that on your income tax and you have to pay tax on that. So do not assume that when you withdraw money out of an RSP or a registered income fund, we call it a RIF, that it's tax-free. That's not true. That's not true. You have to declare that as income and you may have to pay tax on it. In this scenario, taking $52,000 as a couple... Yep. out of their RSPs, we'll call it a RIF because there's a tax mm-hmm. benefit for doing that, what's the problem?
1: Well, the problem is, is that depending on how you take it out, so if it's just an RSP and it hasn't been converted to a RIF, phasal, yep. there's a, a, a tax that's applied to that depending on the dollar figure that comes out. Yeah,
0: it's called deregistration. That's right. And that's a, there's a there's a different type of treatment to that than if it's in a retirement income fund or a RIF. That's correct. If, if it's in a RIF, let's assume they're doing it the proper way or yep. the most common way, um, they take money out of their registered income fund or RIF. What are some of the rules that people need to be aware of?
1: Well, so when you take the money out of a RIF, it's there's a, there's what they call a minimum payment. So what they do is there's a, a formula that the government applies to it um, based on uh, the value of that account at the end of the year, of the end of the calendar year. I of the should previous say. year, yeah. Uh, previous year, and they multiply that, and that says well, that's your minimum payment. Now, what happens is that minimum payment can come out of that vehicle for best best term as
0: uh, no tax applied to it so there's no tax that the financial institution has to hold in order for you to take the money out so let's use the example 65 years of age couple they have to withdraw based on their age and the formula the government has stipulated it's about a four percent withdrawal that they have to take out that's correct that four percent the government has said, hey, you financial institutions, you do not have to keep any money aside for taxes. That's right. And they normally don't. In this example, 4% of a million dollars is $40,000. The couple receive their 40 grand. They enjoy their, their lives. Things are good, but they still need a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So then
1: they have to withdraw on top of that. And then any dollars that come out on top of those minimum payments, yep. there's a formula, again, that will charge tax. Um, depending
0: on how much you've taken out. So the financial institution is required to withhold some money, give it to Revenue Canada or CRA in advance, and then you have to file your income taxes. Here's where the problem comes now. Mm-hmm. Income taxes. Okay, most Canadians. Canadian pension plan, they do not have tax taken off. That's correct. Old age security, they do not have tax taken off. Their minimum withdrawal from their retirement income fund or RIF, they'd have no tax being with, with uh, taken off. Then all of a sudden, there's a time in April, they got to fill out this form called a T1, and they have to declare all their income, and, and now that, they owe the tax bill.
1: Well, and that's when it gets a little bit hairy, Faisal,
0: because okay. there's a couple
1: of things that really goes on that piece, right? Um, first of all, come April, they haven't paid tax for that prior year for the majority of it, yep. so they're going to owe tax. They're going to owe money, um, and in this particular case- I did the math to it. It's just under 16
0: percent is what they're going to owe. Oh. So they're going to owe 16 percent in taxes. They haven't paid it. Now comes the time in April. They're going to call up their financial institution and say, "Hey guys, I need I need about fifteen thousand dollars. That's right. In in money to pay the tax man." And I only have RSPs because I've been a good Canadian my whole life and saving in there. So now I got to withdraw money, fifteen grand in this example, out of my RSPs to pay the taxman. I am right. now going to take more income and pay more tax to pay tax. That's right.
1: Not to mention that um, the government's going to look at the th- look at your total taxable income and realize that you didn't take tax off the year before. So they're going to go
0: and say, well. We want to get a quarterly installment going. Ooh, you just said a bad word. Yes, this is one of the biggest pet peeves of Canadians over the age of sixty-five. It's called a quarterly installment. That's the, that's the first one. What's the second one? OAS clawback. Or old old age security. security clawback. Oh, that you're, you're getting people <laughs> upset. If you're really upset, it's andrew.masson at CIBC.com. Feel free to give him an email. Tell him how mad you are about an old age security clawback or or quarterly installments, here is the problem. And I think many advisors do not have a proper income plan. Many advi- many individual investors or retirees don't have a proper tax plan. And when you have these as different silos, this is where you're taking money out to pay the government to take more money out to pay the government. You're not paying yourself. Well, and, and here's the big factor. All
1: of this combined whittles down the amount you have very quickly. Very quickly, because you keep taking out, you know, taking from Peter to pay Paul. <laughs> this is what's going on. You're taking it out, um, and because you have to, yeah. But you haven't planned across. Effectively, I prefer to to say
0: you're taking money out of Peter's pocket to pay Justin, but that's a different story. (laughs) That's a different story. This is a problem that we face. And I think when you have a retirement transition specialist who understands all these things, when you're doing your income plan, we call it an income bucket. Yep. We kind of walk through these different things. And so the big learning outcome from this entire piece of conversation you and I just had is, Do not assume that just taking money out of your RSP or your retirement income fund is going to be okay. You have to have a tax strategy attached to it. You have to have a tax strategy because
1: without it, you're going to end up in places that you don't want to be in. Yeah. And so whether that's using your advisor or your accountant or a combination of both, it which should would be both. the best. It
0: should be both. You're right.
1: You really need to focus on that because these are the pitfalls that people walk into on a regular basis. Basically.
0: If you have any questions, if you want to understand more about this whole tax issue and the amount that you have to withdraw from your RSP, then you can send a note to us at morethanmoneyradio.com. We'll be more than happy to share that with you. Andrew, I want to thank you for joining me today. Again, two weeks in a row mm-hmm. You're, you're making me a happy man. I don't have to deal with Papa, which is a good day. Thank you so much.
1: Thanks for having me. Fraser. All right.
0: So we're also going to be together at our next webinar where we're going to talk about protecting and profiting in these types of markets on Tuesday, November 17th, 7 p.m. live online. Go to morethanmoneyradio.com to register. That's it for another week of More Than Money on 770 CHQR.